really, really hard and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. Big, big, big trust. Big trust. Big trust. Baby. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me. We're back on the Jumbo Set Podcast. It is Thursday, December 28th. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on the weirdest week of the year by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How are we doing, sir? Had some technological snafus, left my computer where I was for the holidays. I've been driving nonstop for days and days and days. So had a nice grown man scream in the house when I got home and realized I didn't have my laptop. And it was a rush hour to and fro away in the rain. So not even on my own laptop here, but can't bring me down. Richard Sherman can't bring me down. Kevin, whatever, Cole or whatever his name is, former PFF, current analytics douche, can't bring me down. <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens are the reason for the season. And man, the more this is what we do the jumbo set for, Jakey. We ruminate a little bit. We are sober on these and let everything cool out a little bit. We can be a little bit more balanced in letting everything play out and considering more context and things that we always like to do. So with all of that in mind, I feel good. I feel great about this team. Actually, I feel great about where the Ravens are. And if not now, when is what I'm going to say probably 15 times on this episode. So I feel okay. Had a nice sauna sesh holidays were dandy and all that good stuff so hopefully you're feeling a little better than me who is definitely a little frazzled but that's why we do these so we can get some therapy in hey at least the uh, the weather's you know great out there and you know it's been raining buckets nonstop the last couple of days looks like that is not letting up uh anytime soon so that's great as well got to get our weather talking there but yeah feeling okay um good good christmas good holidays thus far uh, not working too much this week. I've got a, a a little bit of a wildfire social schedule here that I'm adhering to, which has uh, kind of got me a little a little rattled as well. But that's okay because, like you said, we've got our rock that we can fall back on in the Baltimore Ravens, which we could not say about uh, in the last couple uh, last couple December's here, last couple January. So it's nice, and uh, yeah, really the only thing we are worried about, like you said, is this uh, burgeoning argument around Lamar Jackson's MVP candidacy which uh seems to have taken a left turn and developed into a life of its own i know you've got some thoughts on it i do and there's so much talk 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 about it i was in a sauna and just trying to collect my thoughts and have a little clarity get some of the cookie dough and gravy and ham out of me from the holidays and definitely a lot of the ipas and jj watt went on to pat mcafee's show and i'm not as prepared as i would like to be otherwise we would play that clip or something like that but went on and more or less the sentiment was that no one's more valuable. And when you look at what the Ravens are with and without him, there's no one more valuable, especially at what the Ravens are with him. He is, and this is me building off of it, but he is their rushing offense. And hey, Josh Allen is a big part of the Bills rushing offense too, but he still doesn't have the gravity. I mean, he's a great red zone runner and can ground and pound and all of those things, but plays like where Dre Greenlaw against the 49ers just comes flying up and leaves a void for Gus Edwards and all of those things. You can get into plays, but I, I was just thinking about MVP in general a little bit, which I think is such a fun, funny, stupid debate every year. And I don't want to knock people for having this because I do think it's fun, but I have maybe come around on the notion of, hey, 
I used to hate the fact, is it a quarterback award? Well, yeah, it is a quarterback award award. And this is what I was thinking most recently. And Hey, all of this is just my own subjective two cents, but why do quarterbacks always win MVP? Well, they have the most pressure on them, especially in today's game, especially when you're running the ball too, especially when you have by far the biggest contracts and there's no one with more pressure on them than Lamar Jackson. Like I said, he is the rushing offense. He is the pass game. Todd Munkin has done some nice things this year, and I think they've made progress and become more balanced. But still, how much of their success is dependent on him being a playmaker in the second and third play that happens in each play after the two and a half seconds, after the three and a half seconds, once he scrambles and can take off? The decision-making and the pressure that is on him is not heavier on anyone else, in my opinion, in terms of play to play to play. I think you could definitely argue that guys like Dak and Josh Allen have more maybe of the outside pressure in ways, maybe not. You know, I think you can have great discussions if you want to about who has the most pressure on them. Dak definitely has a Dak definitely has a lot of media pressure just because of the star exactly. on the helmet. He's under the the star spotlight down there in Dallas. So, that's why it's a quarterback award. They play with the most pressure. They shoulder the most burden. And that's why Brock Purdy couldn't win it because he's not the one shouldering the burden. They have a very nice sliced cake of burden in San Francisco. That's why he doesn't deserve to win that. And then when you go look around at some of the other, the, the next two leaders are Christian McCaffrey and Tua. They're not shouldering the burden. Tua's not shouldering the burden. They have this crazy run game that opens up these cutting freaking mountains of them to go ski through for Mostert and Devon A-Chain. And their pass game opens up their run game. The Dolphins can take pressure off of Tua. They have Tyreek Hill. Christian McCaffrey is great. He does take pressure. They've been doing that, this without him. They went to the Super Bowl. This It looked very similar without him. It's better with him. He is the fifth or sixth gear when they maybe had four or five. Now they have five or six because of a player that is truly that dynamic. So there's also no one to me that has also kept their team in games every single game. They are leading every single game relentlessly. He also has not failed this season. The losses that they have, stupid things happen. He made winning plays and drops in Pittsburgh, whatever the hell you want to call the end of the Colts game there. Like the games they lose, the, the Browns game, you know, the defense can't get a stop out of third and 19 or second and 19. Pick six out of nowhere bounces off of a guy's helmet. Like pick six. Yeah, exactly. So he has not folded. There has not been a blowout. He has kept them in time and time again. So with that said, I mean, if you're a Ravens fan and you see some of this dribble, dribble, I should say that Richard Sherman is going off about whatever, it's fun to debate, especially when it's more stimulating conversation and nuanced and there's context. And I mean, I think you're remiss not to put Matt Stafford into any conversation you have this year. Easily. If you want to talk about someone value. He should be in it ahead of some of these guys that are getting more buzz. He should be in it above Purdy, I think. It should be, in my opinion, it's, you know, I love the idea of giving it to Tyreek. They just won 30 nothing without him. Like, I love the idea of giving it to McCaffrey. He doesn't shoulder the burden. Stafford does. Dak does. Allen does and Jackson does. And of those, like to me, it's, it's Allen, it's Jackson and it's Stafford. I think they're just playing the best, all of those. But at the end of the day, like particular to the Ravens, it's fun. I'm not telling you not to have fun. If you like to have those conversations, by all means, again, I've been doing my best for about 
a year and a half now not to tell fans how to fan. Fan how you want to fan. Do what you want. Do what makes you happy. But who gives a shit if Lamar Jackson wins MVP? At the end of the day, he already has one. And the complete lack of satisfaction, like when they bring up MVP, or even when they win games at the end of games, he just looks so unsatisfied still in terms of goals. I don't mean he's unsatisfied in his situation. He loves to win. He looks very happy. But he doesn't look like his goals are close to being accomplished yet. So who gives a shit? He already has one. He already has a unanimous MVP. He doesn't care about it. If you want to care about it, sure, have fun. But he's been there. He's done that unanimously. And let the birds chirp in the morning on get up and first take and eat their worms and let them keep debating box score stats. But if, if somebody just repetitively goes into box score stats or treats EPA as an end-all, be-all, all of those things, let them have it. Like, have fun. Eat it up. Because to me, doesn't matter. Bigger goals. This is the Ravens' season. And to kind of open it up a little bit more, you've said this earlier than I have, I think, for sure. But if not now, when? The Chiefs are weak. They are weak. They do not have firepower. Their defense is a strong unit. Their defense is not some unit that strikes fear into you either. The Bills are solid. They're hobbled. They don't have healthy defenders. Matt Milano is out. Von Miller is not who they paid for. Trey White, not there. They are doing a great job. I think they might be the, the second scariest team in the AFC, in my opinion, but whatever. The Dolphins are beat up. Hill has an ankle. Waddle has an ankle. They are missing Jalen Phillips now. They are missing a, a fair amount of players. Guys have been banged up, too. And with that, I think that this Sunday is – I'm going to go ahead and say this Sunday is the most important regular season game in the John Harbaugh era and arguably the most important regular season game in Ravens franchise history because this is an ideal opportunity considering the teams around you, considering the state of the NFL, considering the schemes that you have, considering that you just paid Lamar and he's not hurting you yet in terms of his cap hits aren't a problem yet necessarily. You have Patrick Queen, Justin Matabike, Geno Stone, Kevin Zeitler, Jadeveon, all these free agents that are impending. So if not now, when? A win this week skips this Ravens team to the conference semifinals and lets them get even healthier when guys like Kyle Hamilton are banged up. The Ravens, I think, have as much scar tissue, literally, as well as figuratively, as really any team. I, I think the, you can make a couple arguments. The Bills, you know, some sure the Vikings have some scar tissue from losses. And what I mean by scar tissue figuratively is tough losses, dark clouds that have loomed, tough situations. There's been turmoil and poison at times in the locker room, in the media, in the narratives, and all of those things. So for them to skip forward, I don't think they'll make that same mistake that they made in 2019 and 2020, uh, that season, when they were the one seed last time. They know that. That is a vitriol. That is black tar in their heart. That is a burning, insatiable, insatiable hurt from that season and how good they thought they were. And like you've said a hundred times, Jake, they're not dancing around doing big trus. They're just beating people's asses and continuing on. Kyle Van Noy immediately in the locker room was like, have fun on the plane next. Like it's over. Once you touch down in Baltimore, this game's done history next, next game, next play. And I think this team does such a good job at staying focused, next play, next series, next game, all of those. So they've already pissed down their leg once. I think this team is different. I think Lamar Jackson is different. 
the old adage, this has been the year of adages for me. You learn more from failure than you do from success. Well, the Ravens have had a ton of both. Maybe not playoff success, maybe not a Super Bowl, but they have been at the pinnacle. They have been at the power ranking. They have beaten really good teams. They've beaten really good Niners teams twice. They've beaten the Chiefs at home. They've beaten the Bills at times. They have won some big games. They conquered the Titans who gave them issues. So they've had enough success and even more failure and that negativity and vitriol I was talking about to pass like a Mensa test. Like if knowledge is formed by failure as well as a little bit of success, they've had plenty of both in polarizing ways. So they're balanced. They're somewhat healthy. You knock on wood there for them. And they have a historically, I'm not going to say a historically great defense, but I think they have a historically good defense. I think this is one of the better defenses that we've ever seen. It's not the best. It's not great. It's not better than 85 this, 2000 that, whatever, whatever, whatever. But it's really, really good. So on the other side, you have the, I think Lamar Jackson's the, and this is what, if you want to talk about MVP, why he's the MVP this year, he is the hardest quarterback to beat. He might not be the most productive or efficient or yada, yada, yada. But it is fucking tough to get that guy off the field when he is pushing and when he wants it. And when the Ravens are at those 50-50 moments in the game where, you know, the win probability can go one way or the other, it is really hard to beat him. I don't think it's, I don't think it's harder to beat anyone else right now. And that is why. We're watching him embarrass Nick Bosa, escape Josh Allen. All these pass rushers, all these great defenses they've played. The Rams have a good defense. Aaron, all these players, he's just making plays in their face over and over and over. So when you have those two things, if not now, when? They have the hardest quarterback to beat, and they have probably the best defense in the NFL. No disrespect to the Browns, who have a really good unit too. So if not now, when? This Sunday at the bank on New Year's Eve against the Dolphins. If not now against the Dolphins, if not now, this season to win a Super Bowl, when? It's not going to get, you're not going to have a better path than you currently have on, what is it, Wednesday, December 27th here. You don't have a better path. You won't get a better path than this. So do it. I mean, a lot, a lot of really good stuff to glom onto there. I mean, they've, they've continued to prove it. They've had to prove it more to their own fan base, more than a lot of people. I, I mean, I had my questions early in the year. You did too. I mean, we, we, we had... A lot of questions this time last year. We had a lot of questions leading up until draft day when he signed that deal. And it feels like everything has kind of fallen into place since then. And you're absolutely right with the sense of uh, the sense of urgency, the sense of time and place, the sense of this is it. And to the MVP conversation, like to the overall question, like, well, why not Christian McCaffrey? Why not Tyreek Hill? They're very valuable. Are they more valuable than a good quarterback? Would you rather have Tyreek Hill than Lamar Jackson? I don't think so. Would you rather have Christian McCaffrey than Lamar Jackson? I don't think so. Situationally all dependent, but like Tyreek Hill in a bad offense, Christian McCaffrey in a bad offense, it's not much better than Lamar Jackson in a bad offense. Like look at, you know, what happened, uh, like talking about Tua and some of these other guys, like we've seen Tua without Mike McDaniel. Wasn't that impressive? There were questions about him coming into 2022. Even this season, a little bit, they were lingering. I think he's answered them pretty well. And uh, that's a credit to him. Brock Purdy. I mean, we saw the Niners without him, to your point. They were going to Super Bowls routinely. They've, they've been doing this thing. Lamar Jackson has proven himself to be that X factor that makes the Ravens go. And I know Richard Sermon said something to the effect of, well, they made the playoffs last year without him. Well, what did Tyler Huntley go three and two? And, you know, they were playing against one of the more hobbled Steelers teams that we've seen in one of those wins. And that's not to 
discredit anything Huntley's done, but they just have a different gear with Jackson. You're absolutely right. And it's because of what he's able to do against some of these really impressive guys like we saw uh, against the Niners. So, yeah, man, just like I, I'm totally fine with including stats in the conversation. They should be a part of it. And Jackson's stats aren't nearly as impressive as Allen's in some respect, but they're pretty close. And when you look at the fact that they're, what, 12-3 and three now and best team in the league and arguably the story of the AFC right now, I think uh, Lamar's got a pretty damn good case. And I'm not going to sit here and say definitively that he should win it, but he, he would certainly get my vote. Maybe I'm a little bit biased, but he would. And all this EPA play per play stuff, I saw a good tweet from a dude party man uh, to uh, Kevin Cole about like, hey man, you're not performing very well in this stat that I invented, so you shouldn't win MVP. That's kind of where I get with some of this, like the analytics, super deep EPA stuff, which you've made the point is a coordinator stat more than anything. So overall, like people kind of scoffing at the notion that he shouldn't win it because his stats aren't fully up to par with, uh, with Josh Allen, you're missing half of the conversation. Like let's open your mind up a little bit. And I'm not saying that you're necessarily wrong. If you have a, if you want to make a case for Allen or some of these other guys, but Jackson absolutely should be in it. And I think we would both cast our vote for him right now. And Brian had a nice tweet too. And we kind of, I think we talked about it in the incident analysis, but Brian tweeted out and said, this drive before half is a shining example of why at Lamar Jackson is MVP. It featured a first and 20, a second and 15, a first and 25, and then a third and 16. And on a third and 16 against the big bad Niners, he embarrassed Fred Warner, embarrassed their defense and got the Ravens down into confident scoring position. And Maybe, maybe if they scored a touchdown, maybe if he scored, when I was going back and watching tape, I thought, and I, again, I've said a thousand times, so I'm not going to, I'll be somewhat hypocritical even by insinuating, but he had a lane that instead of when he cut up field, I think if he just kept on going, he might've housed that. He had two blockers there and I don't think the defender would have been able to put a paw on him. If he made that play a touchdown or threw a touchdown the next play, I feel like even further, we wouldn't even be having these conversations necessarily. And and no disrespect to Josh Allen or those guys. So um, all of it's in good fun. All of it's fun to talk about to a degree. If you want to count box score, score stats, enjoy, have fun. That's, you know, the average football fan. And I don't think we would be worth a damn if after doing this for six years and as much attention as we pay and as much thought as we try to put into these conversations, if we were just counting box score stats that – we would just be a joke. It would just be a joke. Honestly, we, we, we don't even need to make the case. We just got to tune into the herd on FS1 and let our guy CC spit facts because he, he's been doing a lot of that this week. He has. Step into his office and he'll take care of you there. So, uh, Mr. Coward, singing the gospel, singing the praise, and why not? I mean, and hey, you want to talk about how good the defense is? Absolutely. The defense was outstanding. I haven't gotten a chance because of my stupid technology issues to go watch the tape there. Uh, Deontay Lee, who's written for The Athletic and has written for Pro Football Focus, and he's a defensive coach out in San Diego for Mount Carmel. He's a defensive coordinator there. Uh, he made a great shout-out, and, and sometimes I don't do a good enough job, in my opinion, of taking a step back and being like, what did they do? What was what did the coordinator do? Especially defensively, you can kind of see it a little more than offensively. But Deontay tweeted and said, Mike McDonald is the best assistant coach in the league right now. After using creepers and sims and being creative with the front, Baltimore approached last night's game like a 4-3 defense akin to Jim Johnson and Greg Williams and Jim Schwartz. Mike McDonald's identity is do whatever wins. And then he continued on, this is a major feature of the Rex Ryan coaching world. The 50 
has persisted through so many phases of football that it can morph into whatever you need it to be. 50 meaning a 3-4, so to speak. Five-man front. Baltimore has the necessary pieces to make those changes, and you have to salute it. And I thought that was a stout observation from him. And and then I was like, oh, my God, it just made so much sense. And this is why Mike McDonald's the best. And, hey, I don't think McDonald's doing these things alone by any means. But they were like, well, what do the Niners really do? This is what I feel like the conversation is. What are the Niners really beating teams with? All right, it's that 21 personnel under center, Juszczyk, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, and McCaffrey. And they can run a very complete game there. Why did teams stop running that? Because the 4-3 got so good and so developed that they had to, they, they were like, all right, we got to spread the field out now. We're going to try and take that Sam backer off the field. So saw some Malik Harrison early in this one, which I was a little nervous about because he's been out. Do love him in that role a lot. Uh, but man, just able to morph into a unit that was baiting so much space and 49ers fans are going a little crazy in one direction. And maybe this sounds, I don't want this to sound like a conspiracy theory, but it was like, all right, the Ravens gave Purdy the middle of the field early in that game. They create some explosive plays. They didn't want to. They didn't want Kittle to have a 70-yard reception or whatever. But Purdy got into his rhythm, and like we talked about in the preview, he can get into those moments of just kind of automatically letting go of the ball without processing. They get down into the red zone, and who is he targeting over the middle of the field? Debo Samuel, and who's right there? Exactly. Kyle Hamilton sitting right there, doesn't take the cheese, and picks him off. And the Ravens did such a good job. That was another thing we talked about. Don't take the cheese. Don't take the cheese. Don't stick to your assignment. Kyle Hamilton, they have Kittle go run out and break out, which is like, oh, I got to go that way. I'm the last man. Nope, just stayed. There was cheese and they didn't take it. And that's why I think it is so funny that they play Mike McDaniel. And like we said, the tweet is now deleted. Sorry, PQ, who hopefully is is okay there. I, I saw him. I was got real worried during that game. He was on the sideline. I could see the words, my collarbone, and he kept tugging on it. Now he's limited with a shoulder. So at least he's not out or no bad news there necessarily. But he tweeted and said, just do your job. This is all I candy. And I don't know, man. Like, I think Tua's maybe a little bit more sturdy than Brock is, whatever. Tyreek might be more dangerous than any individual that the 49ers have, but it's the same shit. Like, the gimmick's up. The jig is up. Like, this Ravens defense isn't falling for your tricks. If you want to beat them, you have the only team that has been able to do this, what I'm about to say is the Browns. If you want to beat them, you have to punch them in the mouth. You have to hit them harder. You have to run them over. And that is why AFC North football is supreme in terms of physicality. And that is why the San Francisco 49ers are one and three against the AFC North because they've got West Coast physicality. But boy, oh boy, the Browns and the Bengals and the Steelers and the Ravens have rust belt, mid-Atlantic, dirty physicality. And that is why the Browns were the only team to really meet the Ravens on their level and beat them this year, in my opinion, because you, to you, the point that you've, the points you've been making that they were the only team to really run them over, especially in that second half. And with Watson playing out of his mind, they, uh, they really punked the Ravens in that game. That's the only win that I walked or the only loss that I walked away from. Like, yeah, you know what? They really got beat there. Like they beat themselves in those other two. And that one, the Browns really deserved it. I agree with that. Yeah. Good call. So we usually do mega culpa. We've kind of gotten maybe a little astray from mega culpa, but um, I got into it's it. It's tough when I, they I keep said, winning. Like, yeah, that's true. You, it's not like, oh, I'm a, that big of an idiot. Um, the one thing I get, I, and this is 50-50, but I mean, the 49ers did run the damn ball. 
happening. They did get going there. And I was like, yeah, I think the Niners will have success, but I don't think it'll kill the Ravens. And I guess that's technically true. But in this game, there was so much holding on both sides. And I think it was as long as it's on both sides, who gives a shit? As long as things are equitable, that's all you should ever ask from a referee. If you're not throwing flags for pass interference, don't throw them on either side. If you're not roughing the passer, if you're not crazy about offside, whatever it is, equal, equity, make the game fair for both sides, then they can adapt to it and then move forward. That's in any sport. Uh, that's why you know players try to, especially in basketball, they try to talk to the referees early. What did I do? What can I do differently? This is what happened. Are you going to call this like this? Uh, trying to figure that out. So that definitely was, it, it reached a point, especially on that one drive where they have the screen, which was kind of questionable with illegal uh, ineligible men downfield. But it was like, all right, they, they're they they're going pretty good there. They're going pretty good. So uh, that one. And then I, I guess Mega Culpa is just like, be a man and predict the Ravens to blow them out or something. I don't know. Easy. I mean, easy one for me. I, I thought they would lose. I thought that this we, would... we more or less we more or less had them both. You know, it was, it was we, we were we were saying coin flip, end a game, field goal, field goal, something like that. Yeah, so. I, I I took it as two relatively equal teams. I thought the Niners had the the better overall team. I still might make that case that they have the better roster, and they obviously are very well coached. But I mean, it was a question of you know, can you rise to the moment here? And I thought that for the most part that they would, but they would walk away from the loss and be better for it. But no, man, just kind of a heat check of a win, and they're just going to keep this thing rolling, and they're going to run out of the tunnel screaming into the camera and calling out Mike Florist and things of that nature. So, yeah, man, like it, it just feels like I felt like they were going to kind of touch their limit there, and it seems like the sky, the ceiling continues to be the roof in a shout-out to MJ uh, with this team. And I guess, you know, listen, you got an, another acid test here this week with, uh, with the Dolphins coming to town, so we'll see if they still are up to that challenge. But as of right now... You know, that's my mega copa. I thought that they, uh, they for the most, or I wouldn't say for the most part, they, but, you know, I thought that they wouldn't be as far as the result would go, and they proved me wrong. One thing I do feel good about is that I don't know what it is about the Niners. I don't know. I, I, I don't know why their pass rush is so feared in terms of narrative. Like, it is good. It is very good. It is one of the best. But it's not different than what the Ravens have seen. They've seen very good pass rushers like Nick Bosa. They've seen very good units overall, like Miles Garrett and TJ Water, both in their division. And this is the thing that I'm realizing is further, and it's been the last like 10, 12 days. Lamar Jackson is better than your best pass rusher. Like he is a better athlete than your best pass rusher is. He is a better athlete than your pass rushers are. And he has done such a phenomenal job. And Kurt Warner's getting into it, and I think he's in the weeds a little bit. This offense—he's starting, he's starting to—he's starting to annoy me. I know he watches the tape. I know he's got this and that going on. He's a smart guy, but like I think the, he's just down a wormhole of, and I—I I do get where he's coming from. I just think Lamar is so self-aware right now, and I think he's reaching a point of confidence. We've heard Cam Newton, who has had so many outspoken comments, and I think they all hold water. Very much so. Maybe he's a little more extreme being someone that won an NFL MVP and went 15 and one and all these things. You know, he has that confidence to stand on business about that kind of shit. But he makes these comments about like, these guys aren't the engine, whatever. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. What did Cam Newton just say? Ah, shit. I forgot. Second comment he made rec very recently. I don't know. You really but are frazzled here, huh? I am frazzled. Cam said something. He was talking about the game manager Dak stuff and he just made another comment like this week and I, I lost it. But 
Lamar is so – oh, he was talking about confidence. That's what it was. Great, awful radio there. He's talking about confidence of the reason that top quarterbacks that have all of the tools fail is development and that they never get confident. And a lot of times it's like, okay, they were drafted. It's tough as a rookie. And then the regime changes, like Baker Mayfield. Different coach, different coach. You know, Joe Flacco went through that early on and couldn't really find a good, consistent groove. A lot of quarterbacks have that. He's basically saying the failure is a result of a lack of confidence and, and not being confident in their situation and themselves and not feeling like they belong. Like they're looking over their shoulder and they feel doubt and you know politics and ulterior motives. Jackson, I think, is the other end of that spectrum more than maybe anyone in the world like today, right now. There are plays that are there, and one of them is down in 49ers territory. The Ravens run a mesh rail. Justice Hill uh, flies out of the backfield and just toasts Dre Greenlaw. And Lamar looks there for a second and could have probably, th- you know, could have maybe thrown it. It was. He looks like he got his eyes there. I can't ever really quite tell all the way. He does some tricky stuff back there, but he is so confident that you can't sack him enough, and that you can't hurt him enough, and that you can't get to him enough to beat him that he's just hanging out longer than the play. He's just hanging out back there. He's not worried about Bosa. He's not worried about, he's like, Munkin will handle that. Like, whatever, they'll throw they'll throw some different looks at him, whatever. He's just extending the play and stressing the defense out until they break. And that's why I think people are having trouble too, analyzing the tape, analyzing the EPA and all of these things, because he's playing a game that is one of a kind. He's playing a truly unique game of just, I'm going to be able to create. You're not going to be able to bring me down. I'm going to find somebody. You know, if I don't love it, that's fine. I'll wait. And guess what? I can go pick up five. Guess what? I can go throw the ball to Zay Flowers underneath or dump it off to Likely or whatever it is. So the patience and creativity that he's playing with, I, I don't know that we've seen Mahomes play like this, this style, this magnitude of, confidence in playmaking after that initial one, two read or initial window. So that I think is what people are having questions about. And Warner himself is questioning the sustainability. And I think it's, you're right to question it because we've never seen it before. And our boy, Colin Coward said, you know, he's like, when he did his preseason predictions in that same vein, he's like, well, I don't think the Ravens are going to make the playoffs. Lamar Jackson keeps getting hurt every year. And it's kind of like, you know, prove me, prove uh, fool me once, fool me twice. He's like, if he stays healthy, they're probably really, really good. I just don't know that he will. And when you haven't seen something before or previous history makes you have a bias, like that is the logic that goes in. But I am getting really confident in summary. There is no pass rush or pass rusher that can break him or keep him down. He is, we see 49ers radio and all this stuff. Oh, the 49ers beat themselves. They really only lose when they beat themselves. And to your point, Jake, the Browns did make plays on the other side of the ball. I think the Ravens made some, you know, that that pick six you mentioned off the helmet. That's the only time we've seen the Ravens get kind of beat. So Jackson's playing under control. He's not turning the football over at all. One stupid interception in Jacksonville. The fumbles have gone. Those aren't happening anymore. And playing, understanding that your defense is that strong gives you more comfort to fail on a down, to punch the ball back. So I think they're in a rare level of complimentary football 
of feeding off of each other. And I, the wired clips that are coming out, Roquan Smith, I mean, on the sideline, I don't know if I've ever seen a team that is like watching the other side of the ball with as much intensity and rooting and cheering and offense and defense mingles. We've talked, you know, a lot of times offense and defense are almost like two different, you know, it's like being a nursing major and then a biology major. Like they're around each other in the same school at college, but they're not, you know, taking class together necessarily. So uh, this team's bought in. The complimentary football is insane. And I think this 49ers game, I keep having these questions. Why isn't he hitting these deep shots? Why isn't he trying? Why isn't he pushing? He doesn't have, he doesn't feel like he has to. So I feel like I've had a little bit of a Eureka there and that's what he's doing. Yeah. They're, they're just playing chess, man. It, it definitely feels like he's got a one, two, three options at different levels. And then he also has a scramble in the bag and he's not going to force it to any level. And I, uh, I really appreciate that because like I said uh, earlier in the year, I just want to see some calm. I just want to see like there's a plan. I just want to see it executed crisply and cleanly. And it feels like we have for the most part this season. There's been some uh, some rocky stretches, and I think the offensive line injuries have certainly played into that. But you also got to give credit to uh, Joe D and to Munkin for scheming around that. Like they like the O line has looked rough recently, but then they're throwing these combinations out there and they're doubling Bosa and they're you know getting a little maybe a little liberal with the holding there. But that's what you got to do sometimes, and you know that's the type of game that was being played, and uh, they were able to uh, play well within it. So definitely agreed. And offensively, I just love what Munkin got into in terms of the run game, mixing it up and mixing it up and mixing it up. And again, it's, I don't want to say it's random, but to a defense, they are throwing such a different level of blocking schemes on a play to play and drive to drive basis. It culminates in the Gus Edwards touchdown on fourth down. They run the, the belly arc option, whatever you want to call it. And Bosa is just left in a puddle, which I posted on Twitter by Pat Ricard arc blocking, which means taking a wide outside step and basically just Toro, Toro in a defender, making them think you're going to make contact. And then you don't, you move on. So they brace for contact and lean into you. Same shoulder, same foot, take themselves out of the play by doing so. They don't have anything to keep their leverage. And then Gus Edwards goes and runs in. So they are running such an array of different blocking concepts. And that goes into boots that goes into, you know, play action pass game, having a guard pull to go kick out the end, uh, different protection all the time, switching McCary and Philele in there as bullpen pitchers, all of these moving parts of that offense. And we're now at the point where we know what they are. The season's over, like the regular season's over more or less. And that comment from Deontay Lee, I talked about, you know, he said Mike McDonald plays winning defense, whatever. this. He does the scheme that wins, that beats the opponent. We're seeing every every offensive element on both sides of the ball. We're seeing a multiple defense and a multiple offense. They are permeable through whatever your scheme is. They are confident enough at this point to run things that give that trouble. So it's... Very different from Greg Roman in that sense. I think that's the biggest change that we've seen is that they are willing to bend their scheme to hit your holes. Pause. But they feel good there. It's their game still. Like they're, It's not like, oh, we have to try this new thing. We have to, you know, it's something we haven't done. We're going to, they're capable of doing it all. So what do you do to stop them on both sides of the ball? It, it, it is... It requires some chess. Like you said, that is a perfect word. 
Um, you know, tons of cool, cool stuff in this game. Odell Beckham blocking. Zay Flowers made so many plays after the catch. Isaiah Likely's big stiff arm. Ronnie Stanley. The, 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 the thing that caught my eye on tape to, to, I guess, kind of end the notebook here, I said I didn't watch a ton of defense yet, but Ronnie Stanley, Morgan Moses, John Simpson, those three were just fucking clawing. Those three were just scrapping at Bosa and Chase Young and Hargrave. Simpson came up and depleted Cleveland Farrell. He he kept his head on a swivel, was uncovered, and just came and knocked him, knocked the snot out of him. They got Nick Bosa on the ground three times. They got Chase Young on the ground. They got fatalities. They got not TKOs of that 49ers front. And gotta feel good about that. That is the last, the last frontier, the final frontier for this Ravens offense is just getting that fucking offensive line mean. And if Ronnie fucking uh, mean, it's gonna hurt teams. And Ronnie Stanley walking off the field into the tunnel with Lamar Jackson, too. I love that. Like it feel it felt very intentional. Like just kind of had his shadow, had his back. It feels like there's been we've wanted more of that attitude from them. And uh he was kind of helping him out with the Mike Flores stuff. Uh also one last attitude note. Loved the, we didn't get to this on the recap pod, uh, but loved Beckham and Zay Flowers hitting the, that's my dog. Oh dance. my God. Just absolutely oh not God. within a mile of how good that guy is at it, but nobody is. I, I don't, I haven't tried it yet really, but if I do, I know I wouldn't look nearly as You have as a good. wedding to go to, so yeah, you, listen. Might, you might be having to try to hit that over the next couple of days. Yeah, watch this space. Yeah, it's, it's black tie. So I'm going to be in a tuxedo I, trying to hit that shit, probably falling over and, you know, breaking something. But if you're, if you're a little tipsy and got some confidence, You'll, you'll be able to hit that shit. All right, perfect. Okay. So overall, I mean, just those are... I like the spacing. I like the run game. I like Justice Hill a lot in this one too. The pass pro, the effort. And I think he's he's not Keaton Mitchell, but I think he did see some things like just push it to the outside. Just fucking turn on the burners. You're fast too. Uh, just like... Just, just make that noise while you're running to the perimeter. Just hit it. Uh, so I liked what I saw from him too in this one. And... I don't know, man. I don't know. They're throwing everything at teams right now, at the Jags, at the Niners, and then this Dolphins team is so interesting, I guess, to flip the page because, like I said, you know the offensive tree. You've already played McDaniel last year. They're in your conference. You're advanced scouting, and he comes from Shanahan, who you just played. He's Shanahan. He's basically Shanahan's like little brother in, in football in many ways. So on the other side, who is it? Vic fucking Fangio. Harbaugh's number one enemy, Vic Fangio. So they've dealt with him. They've dealt with McDaniel. They've dealt with Shanahan recently. I think this game is so interesting. And I'll just say this before we get into some segments and get out of here or whatever, but get to the goddamn bank on New Year's Eve. Like, get in there. Get in there. Have a couple. Pay attention. Don't be lingering. Like, this is the biggest game, in my opinion, in the regular season history of M&T Bank Stadium. Like, might be, might be. I'm sure there's some other ones people will throw, you know, whatever, but. This is the one, I mean, this is the one ostensibly for an AFC championship to be here. I know they'd have to go through the divisional round, not overlooking it, but if you want to host one, which they've never done, this is the one that you got to go win. If you're not going to show up to that stadium now for this game, when you've got off work, you got off work the next day, it is at 1 p.m., much to everyone's great joy and pleasure, if you're not going to show up, if you're contemplating, give your tickets away. Give them to someone who will go. Give them to a fan of the Baltimore Ravens. Go there. Be loud. Stand. Yell. Be nice. Be happy. And 
root that team on to win this conference for, I mean, winning a conference twice in a four-year stretch in the regular season, at least, it's, you know, it's not an AFC championship, but that's, that's pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So go cheer this team on. And much to your point, Jake, pretty good shot to go host the first ever AFC championship at M&T Bank Stadium with Lamar Jackson in year one of this contract with so many impending free agents. If you don't show up to this game and pay attention and not do some half-assed New Year's bullshit, you got a thousand more New Year's coming, but I don't know if, how many years it's going to be until you've got the Dolphins for the for the conference at M&T Bank Stadium on New Year's Eve. So show up, show out, be loud, be happy, be merry. You've got off work the next day, most of you. For those of you who don't, I'm sorry. Much support to, to you if you do have to work. You're probably doing something important. But same to the fans. If not now, when? Same to the Ravens. If not now, when? This is it. Like You're skipping forward from the 31st to, what, the 14th? 13th or 14th, I believe, there in the divisional round. So pack the bank, yell louder, yell the Dolphins off the field. Send the the, the flashy, freaking uh, off-white wearing Mike McDaniel, Versace reading glasses, Tyreek Hill on the yachts, doing God knows what. Dolphins back to Miami and make the road run through Baltimore. Make the bank great again. Let's do it. All right. Segments? Segments. We can do the Smooth AF Smooth Play of the Week presented by Smooth as Boop, smoothasfuckproducts.com, smoothafproducts.com. I really liked a few plays in this one. I want um, You're better at picking the stock ones, and I think you've explained those well. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Brandon Stevens. Tipped pass, interception at that point in the game where the 49ers started out with some momentum. They move the ball. They get the safety. Things are kind of going their way a little bit. You're battling and battling and battling in the first half. And Stevens was getting targeted before that. I think that was right after Debo kind of pushed off of him on the sideline, got, got a little 12-yard kind of hitch, comeback, whatever you want to call it, on the sideline. And Stevens just slow playing it was what was smooth. That was smooth to me. He was It was a double cat blitz which is why Marlon Humphrey was there. Both corners blitzed off the edge. And Stevens just knew Purdy took a short drop back and was in throwing position. So he didn't overrun it, didn't charge at it. He just waited, got a wide base, came up, and just like didn't do something awkward or uncomfortable. Instead, he smoothly he for said the it. play of the week. He said it. Volleyball said it right up in the air. And then Marlon Humphrey smoothly finished went up high pointed the ball caught the ball marlin's always had hands of stone self-described is that his first pick times. of the year yes wow yes i, it was. I didn't know that you're telling me that for the first time it was so i thought that was a huge play cerebrally and in terms of it was a bang bang quick 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 throw quick it was an alert to see samuel off of a blitz and to turn that into a turnover was a direct result of being awake brandon stevens was awake for that play. He was not just, I'm blitzing, I blitz. Awake, alert, present, step to step, and did it smoothly. The neurons fired. Smart player, physical player, awesome player. Go get some Brandon Stevens jerseys. If you're like, whose jersey should I get? Get a Brandon Stevens jersey. 
That guy's smooth. He's cool. He's smooth with the photography too. He's been taking all those pictures this year. He's got a pretty low kind of, got some bass to his voice, a little bit of a baritone too. He talks kind of smooth. Brandon Stevens is smooth. That was my smooth AF play of the week. What's yours? A lot to go with here, but I got to go with our guy, Super Dave up in the booth. Uh, Marty Funkhauser, of course, Todd Munkin. Um, one of the more aesthetically pleasing play calls that I've ever seen. Ravens uh, going for their second touchdown in like 18 seconds. Uh, they set up, fakes the picks to the right, absolutely freezes all the second-level defenders. Zay Flowers just runs into the back end where there's nobody there, and Lamar Jackson just drops it in the bucket for the touchdown. Zay's fourth of the year, uh, and amazing celebration there too with the Grinch, him and Isaiah Likely. That was awesome, but man, it, you can talk all you want about some of the issues with Todd Monken, I know some people are still not fully happy with the pass game. I totally get it, but that was uh, that, that brings me back to our favorite play call of all time, which was the uh, Greg Roman fake screen and then wheel to Mark Andrews wide open against the Cardinals four years ago. Just etched you in, really do love that play. It's, so it's, much. it's etched into my memory. I just love, and this is really a, just a variant of that where you just use that running game. You, you know, you, you, we mentioned the threat with Lamar Jackson kind of bringing guys downhill. Uh, that kind of, you know, it, it felt like an extension of that where you, I think it was to Edwards they faked the pitch. Uh, Lamar is always a threat to run, and guys are just left in the dust. Zay Flowers wide open. That to me was the dagger of the game. Like, that was the one where it's like, all right, like, a lot of ball game left here, but it, it's hard to imagine them coming back from that. That you know, two touchdowns in eighteen seconds, whatever it was. What can you do? Smooth. We're including we're including smooth brains now. I think just for good, we just have to. It's too good. It works out too well. We enjoy it too much. So I'm going to go smooth brain here. Has to be just the safety. Yeah. Whatever went on with that referee who apparently apologized to Lamar after the game, and like I said, like I do feel for that guy because again. How many games has he probably refereed in his life? A thousand, five hundred, I don't know. And Lamar Jackson is one of one. He's the quarterback that's going to dead run back. And when I watch it on tape, I'm, I should post it when I finally get my computer again. You see Lamar gives a baby head fake the other way before turning towards the referee. Yeah. And the ref was like, Oop. okay, he's going that way, whatever. And it was a baby head fake on the defenders. And when Lamar turned back the other way, that's when the ref went, <gasps> that's when he was like, he got, sh Lamar shook the ref down. Dude, this is just coming to me right now. I don't know how I didn't, uh, you know, loop over the, the Benny Hill music with all that going on in the background. Boom. And it's just... Yeah, I, I definitely I dropped the ball on that. So that stuff. He is the smooth brain of the week. And then we we got to go with our guy BCB, uh, Brock Purdy with the four interceptions. Just a, a rough night from our guy. Two of them were maybe not as much his fault, but yeah, just a, a rough performance from our 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 presumed MVP there. Really kind of he kind of gives he can, we we can give him like the smooth brain of the year. I think I'm gonna present it to Brock there. I wish I had a little graphic for this. I don't I don't even mean his play necessarily. I don't even mean the picks. After he had thrown two or three of those picks, there was nothing behind his eyes. Thousand like his yards brain down. Yeah. was wind was whistling between those ears. He was like, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. There were no thoughts going through BCB's brain. That Shanahan was just like, 
Come on, little boy. Come on. His, and then his interaction with his uh, with uh, Big John Harbaugh, him and Little John Harbaugh. He was he was he was stunned that Harbaugh said that to him. I think we look alike. Like the guy's just had one of the most catastrophic performances of his career. Like the worst night of his life. John Harbaugh walks up with a shit eating grin on his face. You know, people tell me we look alike. Like, cool, man. Like that, that was the most defeating thing John Harbaugh could have ever said to that yeah. poor guy. Like. You know, a lot of coaches will hit you with like the, hey, man, you've played great this year. Keep going, you know. Which, to be fair to John, he did say, I got a lot of respect for you. Great job. But like, they, there's just no way that registered. That's, that's the common coach speak. But yeah. then he hits you with the, like, to come out of reality for a second and be like, at, on their field after the worst game he's played as a professional, where he's like pulled kind of out of the game and be like, hey, buddy, people say we look alike, huh? Brock, huh? yeah. He's just like. Brock is like the Jersey Jerry. Like, is this guy on Pluto? Like, he's just walking away. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, get me off of this field right now. That also just shows, that's Grandpa John. That's how you know John's grandpa now, because that's such a grandpa thing. Like, you know that as intense John, as as intense as John probably was this entire game, he's been, like, waiting to say that for, like, a month. It's like when he... showed him that a while ago, and he's like, oh, I can't wait to see this guy. Oh, that's funny. He definitely... He reads everything as we've heard behind the scenes and he definitely did, makes notes of these things. Like when he walked up to Vrabel and he's like, you know, people have been asking what would happen if we fought and Vrabel's like, oh yeah, totally. And he's probably thinking like, dude, I would fucking run you. Like, let's not have this conversation right now. That is, I, I've, that's why John's the best. Yeah. That's why John's the best. Yeah. Just the, the lack of self-awareness, like to his benefit really, really works well. Like sometimes that can be a detriment. I think it works well for him. So those are our smooth plays and smooth brains of the week presented by smoothafproducts.com. Go get your beard smooth. Go check out their line of not his and hers, but ours shaving, cleansing, and grooming products. Get you feeling clean, looking better, and feeling smoother. Go check them out, smoothafproducts.com. Then we can move on to the Johnny Cakes of the week presented by Jimmy Seafood here. And I will just, I'll just hand out the cakes. Like I said, I already kind of did. I'll go Morgan Moses, Ronnie Stanley, John Simpson. Those guys were eaten up. Those guys were fighting. They were playing big boy football. And it was kind of funny because I, I tweeted it was a Christmas miracle. Ronnie Stanley's knee looked healthier. Looked He looked like he could just bend his knees finally for the first time in a month or whatever. And first pass play for the Ravens of the game he tries to, he thinks Bosa's coming barreling down on him on a, a bull rush, basically. People keep saying speed to power all the time. It's a, you can say bull rush still. Bosa, he thought was going to bull him. He's been struggling with that. So he just shot his hands early, and Bosa was not ready to bull him yet and just gave him the cleanest little arm over swim move. And Stanley was like, probably laughing at himself, like, of course, like, I, I, I feel good. I'm ready to anchor. But from that point forward, he was giving Bosa fits. You know, he lost some reps, whatever. He's still not, you know, oh, whatever, 2019, million, whatever. But he was giving him fits, and Morgan Moses just collected Nick Bosa's soul late in this game. There were some pancakes in this one, and Morgan Moses in the fourth quarter as the Ravens are, like, teetering on letting the Niners in a little bit. Moses took him for a ride, and Bosa tried to torque, and you can – I can't quite see, but it looked like Moses uh, <clears throat> chopped his arm down, trapped him, and then from there was able to just torque his hips over. And he didn't just pancake him. Like he put his chest through Nick Bosa's chest through the earth. He landed his entire body weight, like mean spirited, big boy football, put his chest through his chest into the earth. So 
Those guys were making plays, hitting, blocking. They looked athletic. They were scrappy, and they definitely deserve some Johnny Cakes up there out in uh, out in the greater New Hampshire area, wherever the hell Vito was. Yep, absolutely. Um, I'm going to go with uh, our guy, Jadavian Clowney. Sometimes you got to go back to actually move forward, just turning the clock back, looking like uh, as good of a pass rusher as he's maybe looked in his career, approaching that double-digit number. It's going to be tough to get there. He's going to need one and a half, but we'll see what happens. But, man, he uh, he didn't do much early in the game as far as production goes, but he comes up with those sacks late in the game. Uh, just that one-on-one bull rush that we've seen uh, in critical situations, it almost does seem like he does the TJ Watt thing where he saves it up. Then you get a critical money down, and he just comes through, and he came through for them big in that fourth quarter so nothing super specific to highlight but just the fact that that guy is kind of a closer in the pass rushing room particularly along the edge they've really needed that the last couple years and he has shown up more so than a lot of the veteran band-aids who have been respectable but it's even better with this guy so got to go to my guy jd Clowney. and on passing downs too when he gets one one one-on-ones on actual third and longs he's been winning a lot i think he's been winning about one of one out of five of those Actually, I think it's one out of four. I think he's around 24.2, if I remember correctly, on true pass sets, win percentage right there. So getting after it. And to have that, he was drafted number one overall because he's a prototype player. And to have a prototype player that is able to make plays late in games, like it just doesn't look better. It, how, how monstrous he is. You call him an Adonis. For how much of an Adonis he is, it just looks good when he makes plays late in games. Like he's the Hulk. He is this giant monster mountain of a man and is making those plays so violently and so quickly and athletically at his age too. And with all the wear and tear on his body and how physically is definitely can go eat up some Johnny cakes. He really is in the prime of his life. He should be swinging. Um, but okay. Yeah. Uh, Johnny cake of the week. Uh, presented to you by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Pop through there for some end-of-year celebrations, whatever you got going on. They're doing all sorts of fun events, so check out their website as well. Love Jimmy's, love crab cakes. Anything else we got? That about covers it. Really loved how many people we had for our instant analysis after obviously a huge win, and it was the holidays, and a lot of people probably had off and such, but we had about 1,600 in there at one point, which was pretty good numbers for us. We're ripping through. You and I have put in a lot of work to build up this YouTube page. Again, so many people have been like, yeah, I switched over to YouTube because we asked you to. And it helps us and helps us continue to grow faster and better and more effectively. So we really appreciate you guys. Happy holidays to all the listeners out there. We love you guys very much. And please, if you can watch on YouTube, if you can subscribe, and if you can like our videos, it helps us a lot. And we've had some really good growth. Hopefully you guys like the content. Really appreciate all the kind and supportive words you guys have left on videos and on Twitter and messages for Jake and I and Brian and Eric and Taylor and everyone. So we love you guys. We love doing this stuff. We love this Ravens team. And man, we couldn't be more fired up for this game and for the playoffs. So we'll keep on rocking in the free world. We know this episode came at a different time than usual. It was the holidays, so please forgive us. Uh, New Year's, we'll, we'll do our I best. I actually did think it was Tuesday for a hot minute there. Dude, me too. So Me too. Yeah. So it's the, the doldrums of the winter holidays that get you. Yeah, weirdest week of the year uh, by far. But yeah, it'll be over soon. We'll be back into a a normal swing, a normal circadian rhythm there, hopefully. Uh, But yeah, uh, shout out to everyone with the YouTube stuff, like he said. And we definitely want to make it more of a value add to come here too. We're not just saying it to to boost our numbers and help with the monetization. We do want to get more into sharing video clips, give it a more visual element. And uh, hopefully, I I don't think that'll freeze out the podcast listeners necessarily, but it'll just be very additive. So be sure to go ahead and uh, hit that subscribe and watch on YouTube when you can. Appreciate you guys. Uh, as far as everything else goes, you can find us on social media at exit 52 podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. 
I am at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spenny is at Ravens for Dummies. That is the number four. Brian at Barstool Banks. Taylor at TaylorSmy10. And Eric at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. We will talk to you guys tomorrow for the uh, preview of the Dolphins game. See ya. Arrivederci. execute the system and that's what it's all about yes there sir trust big, big trust big trust, trust. Big trust hey, yes sir <laughs> right on cue hey right on cue hey I, let me